Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. I'm excited to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. And I'm really excited. We've got a great guest for you today. So inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Johnny Quinn. Now, Johnny is a keynote speaker and leadership trainer who also is a U.S. Olympian in bobsledding. And he competed at the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. Johnny is also a former pro football player, spent time with the Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for the CFL. Johnny's also been featured on various media outlets around the world, such as ABC, CBS, ESPN, Fox, the list goes on and on. Uh, So special guest here today, Johnny, welcome to the show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being on. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. There's so many different things that we're going to chat about today, and I really am excited to hear your insights on how you can help people to move the ball. So where I want to start off our conversation, normally when I have uh, former football players on or other athletes, we talk about that particular sport and how they got into it, but I want to mix it up today. So let's start off with you talking about your journey to the Olympics. How did that come to be? Tell us about it. Well, you know, when you grow up in Texas, you don't think bobsled, you think football, right? So yeah. Texas high school football, I played my college ball in Texas. And so I, I really thought, hey, I'm going to play professionally and I had an opportunity to do that. And we'll kind of unpack how that journey uh, kind of turned into a train wreck for me. But when when football was complete, meaning my agent could not find a team that was interested in bringing me in, some unique things started to line up. My mom uh, had a co-worker who was a bobsledder back in the day. And my agent represented a bobsledder back in the, in the day, two different people. And they look, bobsled, they look for former football players with a track background. So my scholarship was in football. I also walked onto the track team. So I kind of fit this mold on what they're looking for because there's no NCAA level, right, bobsledding teams or, or anything like that. So they recruit from typically football and track and field. Those are the two main sports that bobsled recruits from. So I kind of fit this mold, this physical, you know, speed, power mold that they're looking for. I sent some of my film to a a driver at the Olympic Training Center. He calls me, he goes, Johnny, you want to come out here in a couple months, push a a bobsled around? And I said, absolutely. But, you know, here's a warning label. If my agent finds a football team, because I'm still, you know, holding on hope that maybe somebody wants to bring me into camp. I said, if my agent finds a team, I'm out of here. And Jen, true story, one month before I'm supposed to go, uh, you know, get my cool runnings on uh, in, in this bobsled, I get a phone call from this driver. He goes, Johnny, one of my guys has showed up overweight. Do you want to come up now and compete in the U.S. four-man team trials? And, and so I'm like, well, when's the race? He says, it's in two days. I said, two days? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't even, you know, I've never pushed a bobsled in my life. I'm from Texas. We don't get any snow. He goes, Johnny, all you have to do is get inside the sled. And so, true story, my first time ever on ice was at the U.S. four-man team trials. And Jen, we took third place. It was wow, unbelievable. Awesome. So, that, that, that started my, my bobsledding career in 2010. And then in 2014, um, 
I was fortunate enough to, to make the Olympic team wear the red, white, and blue and, and support our country. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so talk to us about, you had a little bit more time uh, to get ready for the 2014 Olympics. Yeah. So talk to us about what is it like training as an Olympic athlete? Take us through kind of that journey as you're getting ready. There's a lot of mental preparation, physical preparation. Share with us what was that like for you? Yeah. So think about this. You know, I spent about three minutes and 30 seconds on Olympic ice, right? In the Olympic Games, in, in competition. It took me four years of, of training and, and work and races for three minutes and 30 seconds of ice time. So when you look at it like that, it's like, oh my gosh, was it worth it? Absolutely. You know, getting ready for the Olympics, what is so interesting in the sport of bobsled, everything comes down to the hundredth of a second. We missed the medals by 1.8 seconds and you just kind of rack your brain on, you know, what could you have done different? But as you get ready for the games, it's it's syncing up your sleep schedule. It's syncing up your training schedule. You know, you're in different time zones depending on where you're at. It's it's really you evaluate every everything that you do daily, and what you do is you start crossing off variables, right? You start crossing off things that you 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 know you can limit exposure. And so, what I mean by that is during a a bobsled race or season. Many of our races are in the morning, um, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Well, when they released the Olympic schedule, bobsled due to you know TV uh, showing and, and when we were slated according to the TV schedule, that flipped for us. A race was at 8.30 p.m. with the second heat starting at 10 o'clock p.m. And so for us, we're typically getting ready for bed. You know, because we've got to get up and get ready for a morning race. And so we started to move our, our uh, weight training to, you know, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. So we could, uh, we could you know, help train our central nervous system to perform at an elite level at that time. And so, you know, looking back as, as an Olympic hopeful at the time and now a U.S. Olympian, what we did is anything that we could, that we were in control of, we maximized and I, I tell you what, Jen, it is so relevant today now that we're all kind of operating in, you know, through a pandemic and we're going to talk about that, is are, are you controlling the variables in your life? I learned that in the Olympics. That's what elite athletes, men and women, I call them ultra performers, that's what they do. They maximize and, and work to take advantage of variables that they're in control of. And so it was quite the journey for those four years to get ready for the Olympic Games. Wow. Yeah. That, and I really like that controlling the variables in your life um, that you can control and something. So let's talk about for a second about the coronavirus pandemic. You know, this is certainly a new normal that we're operating in back in late February, March, when all of this started uh, surfacing. People didn't know what to expect. There was a lot of uh, chaos, panic. I think people have, uh, that panic has subsided some and we're getting accustomed to how we are now, but it's definitely been an interesting uh, last four months, I'll say. And, you know, when I work with people and, and talking about people in my own business, you know, it's, it is about controlling those variables that you can control and not uh, focusing on the things that you can't uh, really have any control over. So talk to us about how have you adjusted in this new norm and what advice would you share with people uh, as they're still trying to navigate and find their way? Because it seems like we're going to be in this environment for quite some time still. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. You know, with worry and anxiety at an all-time high, it is so important to, I heard one speaker call it, that we've got to be able to pivot and not panic. 
you know, as a keynote speaker, I, I travel the country. Um, you know, I, I average 50 to 70 events a year all across the nation. And when the CDC came in and said, wait a second, no gatherings over 10, uh, as a speaker, I was directly affected. Like many of our, our listeners today, as you, as you, as you hear this, you, you've probably been affected too. And so for me, I saw the opportunity to pivot to virtual. You know, having a platform that I can still deliver high octane, positive, hopeful content to advance virtually has really opened the door and, and kind of my eyes to future opportunities as we get back to a sense of normalcy, because we will get back to live events, right? We will get back to gatherings. Will, will there be some different protocols? Sure. Um, but, you know, we will get back to that. But it's allowed me to look at, you know, I kind of ask this question, what, what is possible, and so as a speaker, I see virtual, you know, will continue to everybody got thrown into that. But I think even when live does come back, um, there's going to be more hybrid events. And, you know, you're going to be able to reach clients that maybe either had a, a limited budget or just didn't work out schedule wise. So what I do is I, I've seen an, an awesome opportunity there just personally looking at the landscape and pivoting. We've got to pivot and, and not panic. And so you know, to our listeners here who, you know, maybe you're a small business owner, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're an employee, doesn't matter where you're at in life. Well, whenever we're in a crisis mode, and, that, and that's the reality, going into a pandemic is a crisis. It's a crisis for everybody. Nobody has seen the world economy stop like it did for us starting in March, right? And that, that's true across the board. And so when that happens, what you really want to start doing is you want to evaluate your processes, and if you're familiar with kind of the lean concept or, or the Six Sigma concept, it's all about leaning up your processes. It's, it's about eliminating waste. Because when you, when you look at things that maybe you've been doing for a while and you evaluate, hey, are there some areas that we can actually cut up or is there some wasteful things going on that we can improve on? Because here's what happens, Jen. When you do that, when you evaluate your processes and you eliminate waste – what happens is that you transfer that additional value to your end client, to your customer, to your prospect, whoever it may be. And so as frustrating as this time has been for all of us, there's an opportunity here to continue to lean up your processes to you know, somewhat hit the pause button and say, hey, is there something I can do better here? Because when you do that or when you acknowledge that, if you're open to exploring that, Jen, what happens is you can transfer that value to your end client. And that's what you want to do at the end of the day. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. So let's talk about uh, your football career for a little bit. Um, you know, you, you've given us some great nuggets already, you know, controlling the variables, uh, pivoting and not panicking, you know, looking at how we can lean out our processes and eliminate waste and shift that energy into more value added uh, activities for our clients. But as so as a football athlete, you mentioned earlier, you grew up in Texas, high school, football star played at University of North Texas, where by the way, I just have to to share, uh, had some uh, great accomplishments there. You were part of three Sunbelt Conference Championships, 2002 through 2004, played in the bowl games, two-year team captain, and actually finished as the school's all-time leading receiver in receptions with 187 and receiving yards of 2,718. So pretty impressive. And, but wait, there's more, everyone. You weren't just a football athlete in college. You also walked onto the track and field team, too. 
So, you know, you've, you've been an athlete in many different ways. Share with us, what are some of the other lessons that you've learned from being an athlete that have helped you to be successful both on and off the field? Well, I, I think what's important in anything you do in life, whether it's sport, business, relationships, is you want to be well-rounded. And if, if you have a sports background, and, and chances are if you're tuning into this podcast, you, you do or you like sports, what you realize with sports is that when you're part of a team, a, a team is made up of people who have different personalities, different backgrounds, and different belief systems all coming together for one common goal. And when you get everybody on the same page, I mean, it it literally is beautiful to see a team working together. And what I realized now that, you know, I'm retired from sport and in in a business, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a keynote speaker, I own an insurance agency. And, you know, I, I love life as an entrepreneur is nothing has changed in the marketplace from the sense of can you work well as a teammate? Can you be a great teammate? Can you understand that? People might look at you know, statistics and sales processes and different things different than you do. How do you come together and work together as a team? And so you know, one of the things I, I learned early on in the NFL is I, I kept getting cut and the frustration in that because, Jen, as you mentioned, kind of you know, riddling off my career, I had a lot of success in high school. I you know, left as a school's all-time leading receiver in college. And I remember getting ready for the NFL draft, and uh, my agent calls me one night. He goes, Johnny, I've got some great news. And I, I said, well, you know, what's the news? He goes, I, I think you're going to get drafted. And I said, man, this is some great news. Why do you think that? He goes, Johnny, of all the NFL drafts that we've looked at the last nine years, um, they're averaging somewhere between 28 to 32 wide receivers getting selected in the NFL draft. He goes, Johnny, here's the good news. Of all the receivers coming out this year in your draft class, you were in the top 10 in career receptions, career yards, career touchdowns. And so here I am, right? You know, freshly out of college, getting ready for the NFL draft. My, my agency, who's representing me, sends me the data. The last nine years, 28 to 32 wide receivers are getting drafted. So, Jen, naturally, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, hurry up draft day, right? Who, who's going to give me a chance to go after my dream? I have the production. And when the NFL draft came... 35 wide receivers were drafted and I was not one of them. And so at that point, I was a little confused because I was told growing up, maybe you've heard this, I was told that if you produce, you get rewarded, right? I mean, if you, if right. you make all the plays, business and sport doesn't matter, right? If, if you make all the plays, you, you get rewarded. And that didn't happen. And so I was confused on how does life really work? And looking back now, not getting drafted, right? Getting cut multiple times in the NFL. Here's what it did. It prepared me mentally for what was coming next. Because to date, Jen, the hardest thing that I've been through was Olympic trials, right? Evaluation lasted seven months. We had, I think at our national team trial camp, you know, we had probably about 30, you know, quality athletes compete and they only took six to the Olympic games. And so for seven months of training and testing, the mental grind was so intense that looking back now, football, getting cut all those times prepared me on how to handle adversity. Now I can say I'm thankful for that, something that was so painful when it happened. 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned that for a couple reasons. One, you know, this was not a fun experience. To get cut from a team is not fun, right? To, to think that you're going to be drafted and then not hear your name called in the draft is not fun. But I, I do believe that every experience we go through, even though they're not fun all the time, is there to prepare us and help us to become better and to be more successful in the future. And so I'm glad that you... Uh, that you've uh, seen the opportunity or what happened as a, as a positive experience for you. Now talk to us about, you know, this mentally grueling process. How do you stay mentally focused as you were getting ready uh, for the uh, Olympic trials and to perform at your best to have a shot of getting selected of being one of those six? Like, what did you do? How did you stay mentally focused? You know, that's a great question. And I talk about this quite a bit. And in a lot of my keynote speeches is, one thing we have to do, and, I, and looking back now, what, what I think I did well, and I try to do it even today, is we've got to borrow wisdom. We've got to borrow wisdom. Here's what this means. We've got to seek out men and women who are further down the path that we want to go and watch, observe, and listen. So let me give you an example. When I got to the Olympic Training Center, right? I'm here, my, here I'm a Texas guy. I played Texas football, never bobsled in my life. All I know is you know, Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team from that awesome movie in the 90s. If you haven't watched that yet, make sure you, you know, check it out on Netflix this weekend. And so, yes, I had the strength. Yes, I had the speed. But I get to the Olympic Training Center. And what I did is I, I would seek out Olympic medalists. I'd ask them questions. I'd watch, you know, what they were grabbing in the cafeteria for food. I'd watch their warm-up routine. You know, I'd make notes on what time of the day they were lifting. I, what I'm doing here is I'm borrowing wisdom from men and women who are further down the path that I want to go. I want to go to the Olympic Games. I want to win a medal. So I, I'm learning from them. Now, that's one side of the coin. And I think every, you know, all our listeners here can, can get on board with that of, okay, hey, if we want to be successful in sales, we need to go find you know, somebody who's doing well in sales and let's watch and ask questions, things like that, which is yes. Here's the other side of the coin that, Jen, a lot of people forget or they – they might not know is, is as relevant is by doing this, Jen, I also block out men and women who, for lack of a right word, are, aren't doing things the right way. So let me give you the, the, the best example in business. The entrepreneur guru who says, who's uber successful in business, who says you've got to work, you know, 70 to 80 hours a week in order to get ahead in business. That person is not teaching you how to become an entrepreneur. What they're teaching you is how to get a divorce. What I'm looking for is I want to find men and women in business who are successful, who have a thriving marriage and a wonderful relationship with their kids because I'm in business, I am married, and I have a two-year-old little girl. And so I, I protect and borrow wisdom from people who do that well, while at the same time, Jen, this is huge, this is where people miss it, is I block out or I don't let filter or saturate men and women who might want to try to give me their, their side advice, they're having train wrecks in their career or their life or whatever it may be. And so one of the things I talk about a lot is, is evaluate the fruits of somebody's labor, become a fruit inspector. Because it'll be very clear, is that somebody that you want to borrow wisdom from or are there some train wrecks there that we've got to stay away from? Does that make sense? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in the entrepreneurial context, I mean, as an entrepreneur myself, there's all kinds of people that I've seen out there that are talking exactly what you say, you know, 70, 80 hours, work, 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 but they're sacrificing relationships with their family, with their friends, their health. Exactly. And people will ask me all the time, they'll say, you know, Jen, do you ever sleep? Because I'm always so busy. Go, go, go. And I'm like, I get seven to eight hours of sleep almost every single day. That's what I strive for. Do I get it every day? Most days, yes, I'd say five days out of the week I do. I try to get all seven, but life happens and it doesn't work that way. But I do because it's so important to take care of your health. I work out every single day. Um, Some days the the workout is more intense than other days, but I get that physical activity in because if you want to, if you want to live a life of excellence, so to speak, you got to take care of yourself first. So true. And, and I think here, here's where I get a little pushback is when people hear this, then what they do is they, they, they play the opposite side of the card of saying, well, so you're saying I have to pick, you know, choose one or the other. Either I can thrive in, in, in business and in my career, whatever it may be, or I've got to pick my family over business. No, 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 no. Nobody said this is an A and B option. I'm trying to throw out C here. I'm trying to throw out option C, which is, wait a second, let's have uber success in business, in our career, while also having thriving relationships, while also taking care of your health. And so what that does in order to, uh, I I guess, pursue option C in this AB world would be we've got to be disciplined with our time. Structure sleep because that's important. Structure time in the day for you to get out and be active, whatever that might be for our listeners here. Structure time that when, when it's time to work, we're actually working and not scrolling on Instagram. See, what happens is 40 hours in a work week, when you are focused, diligent, and on point, you can get a lot of work done. You truly can't, but you have to be disciplined with your time. Absolutely. Yes, it's not just about being busy. It's about being productive and effective. And a lot of people miss that. That's why you have these people saying you have to work 70 to 80 hours. No, you don't. If you have, like as you mentioned, 40 hours of good highly productive activity, then, you know, that's, that could be just as good. And I I mean, I do work more than 40 hours most weeks, but I make sure that my, my time is very well spent. And I say no to a lot of things so that I can focus my time on the things that really matter. And I'll just share my own experience. So uh, many people listening know that I left my great paying corporate job last year to focus on this move the ball brand. You know, I had a plan, a coronavirus kind of changed that I pivoted, I didn't panic. Um, I looked at my processes, I eliminated things that didn't make sense anymore. And in entrepreneur year one that we're in, this is a six figure year for me. So to say that I did that, I'm not trying to brag. But to say that I did that in this year, is I'm pretty proud of that. And we're not awesome. done with the year, oh. you know? And and so, I, but I think I, it just reinforces a lot of the things that you had said. And I also share this because I get seven to eight hours of sleep. I have a great relationship with my family, with my kids. I have five kids. I uh, take care of my health and I still have that business success. So yeah. you can do it. It can't be done. Can. Yes. Yes. You're living proof. I love it. Yeah. So um, again, I'm not trying to brag, but I, just, I, I hope that inspires and encourages people too, that you can do it. You just have to be disciplined. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk real quickly about, so you mentioned earlier, you're doing a lot of speaking, you're doing virtual speaking. Now uh, talk to us a little bit more about like, what groups have you been focused on, on speaking to here in the last few months since you've pivoted? Yeah. So, you know, the topics I get booked on quite a bit or fall under the lines of teamwork and peak performance. And, you know, the reality is with worry and anxiety at an all time high right now and, 
you know, just people taking it across the face in the economy to have some type of high octane, right, speaker content that is powerful, positive and hopeful has been so relevant. And so, you know, recently this year, I've been with Lockheed Martin. I know you and I talked about that, you know, pre-show, which was just an incredible event. Um, I've been with a lot of realtors, um, a lot of sales teams, you know, people who hear no a lot, no means next. Um, but, but really, you know, we're moving to chambers, we're moving to, I'm doing a, here on August 20th, I'm with, uh, doing an emerging leaders group where I'm talking about how to develop a championship mindset to how to thrive and not just survive through COVID and beyond. And so, uh, you know, to our listeners here, if you're looking for a virtual speaker, somebody to come in and, and, and deliver some awesome content. Uh, love to see if we could jump on together. Yeah, and tell people how can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm at uh, all my social media handles are at at Johnny Quinn USA. So that's at Johnny Quinn USA, and then my website matches that Johnny Quinn USA dot com. Great, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes as well, so people can uh, check you out and connect with you. And I want to also talk about, you have a book called Push, Breaking Through the Barriers. Talk to us what prompted you to write the book and give us a few snippets. As I was looking at speakers, right, three, four, five steps down down the road of I want to go, um, all everybody had books. And so I knew I needed a book uh, to as I increased my speaker presence. So I, I kept getting the question when I get off stage, people wanted to dive deeper into my story. You know, what was it like in the NFL? Um, can you walk us through more of the, the trials? during the Olympics and things like that. And so, you know, I wrote this book called Push, How to uh, Break Through the Barriers to help identify barriers in your life that might be holding you back. And a lot of times they're invisible barriers. Maybe it's somebody or maybe it's something that, you know, somebody said, maybe it was a a business venture gone south or a relationship that didn't turn out the way uh, you thought it was. And so a lot of times we walk through life with this kind of invisible ball and chain around our ankle that we're dry, you know, dragging around. And so when you read my book, it helps you identify those, those barriers and then how to push and break through those. And so the cool thing about this book, Jen, is I wrote it you know, in, in a way that you can read it page one all the way to the end, or you can actually read it and go to an individual chapter and not be out of line. And so you can go, hey, well, what did Johnny learn when he was with the Green Bay Packers? And go just read that chapter. Or, you know, what did Johnny learn during team trials? You can go there and just read that chapter. And so we did that for, you know, people who might not be big readers, but still want some good, good content that they can go and pick and choose what chapter do they want to read and study from. So that, that's been a lot of fun. Great. And tell people where can they get your book? Yeah, you can get it uh, at Amazon, of course. Uh, Barnes & Noble sells it and then Target online. Uh, but if you want an autographed copy, uh, you can get it at my website, johnnyquinnusa.com. And I got a couple options there where we bundle uh, autographs, bobsleds from the Olympics. And so uh, it's a pretty good good deal there at johnnyquinnusa.com. Awesome. And again, that'll be in the show notes for you guys to to check out too. So I want to ask you one other question about football before uh, going to two-minute drill that I like to ask everybody. So you played wide receiver, right? Sometimes on game day, you, you fumble the ball. And you got to, you know, pick yourself back up or shake it off and focus on the next play. That happens in life, too, where we may drop the ball or fumble the ball, metaphorically speaking. What advice can you give people to help them let that go? Because too often people get stuck. They, They focus on what they didn't do or how they messed something up, and that prevents them from moving forward. So what advice can you share there? You know, I think it's so important that, you know, we have these big dreams, these big aspirations that you want to go after, right? For me, growing up, it was going to the NFL. 
But what I realized is if things don't work out, are you available for what I like to call unexpected opportunities? You know, going from football to bobsled, that was such an unexpected opportunity. I never grew up, you know, thinking that I would go to the Winter Olympics, right? You know, I'd watch the Olympics when they come around every two years and I would always hope, man, I hope football's in there because I'd love to go to the Olympics as a football player. Uh, But, you know, being open to unexpected opportunities. Here's what I really thought, Jen. I thought that I was going to go to the NFL, make a bunch of money, and then be done. I mean, I mean, that's what I thought. And kind of going through my career, right, I led the state of Texas at the Class 5A level in high school. I, I get a full college scholarship to a Division One university. I leave as the school's all-time leading receiver. And so I, I, I kind of had these check marks along the way, like, you know, well, I might be a little undersized, but I'm, I'm accomplishing it and I'm, you know, producing at whatever level I'm at. And so when I got to the NFL, I thought it'd be the same thing. But check this. My NFL career was an absolute train wreck. I pivoted to bobsled. I'm a U.S. Olympian in the sport of bobsled. I'm now a keynote speaker and I own a property and casualty insurance business in Texas. I've been available for unexpected opportunities that have been right for me and my family. And so that's what I'd say to our listeners here who, you know, again, might, might um, we might be off our, our, our main dream right now. That's okay. That's okay. What I want you to do is I want you to understand that all great stories fight through adversity. And so this is just your chance to uh, use failure, so to speak, as a springboard to future success. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. And I think when you when you remain open to the possibilities, uh, you just never know where the journey can take you. So I love your story. I think it's fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing everything that you've done on this episode. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and uh, just ask you seven fun questions uh, if you're ready. With- yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first question is, what's your favorite food? Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's a food, right? You know, it's all in there. Yeah. How many of them do you eat when you're training for the Olympics? Oh, my goodness. More, more than I should have. Maybe that's why uh, we missed the podium by 1.8 seconds. So, yeah, my wife makes phenomenal chocolate chip cookies. So, love them. That's definitely my favorite food. <laughs> gotcha. Does your daughter eat a lot of them? No, no, no not yet. They're all mine. Oh, I see. Okay. Not sharing yet. (laughs) All right. How about next question is what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie is Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Wow. Early 90s movie there. Yeah. That's a movie from the past. I know quite a bit of of those lines in that. So it's a funny story with that is um, in 2014, right after the Olympics, I had a chance to go to kind of like a, a retreat. And I met Tom Shadiak, who was the director of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And I got to kind of perform some of the lines I memorized just from that movie in front of him, which which uh, was definitely a highlight. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. All right. My next question is, what's your favorite professional sports team? Team USA. Anything with the red, white, and blue, right? We're supporting them. Awesome. All right. How about this? What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? You know, it's changed over the years. I think it's changed on the season of life I've been in. In sports, it was don't let daily routine be confused with commitment. Mm-hmm. I always thought that's mm-hmm. been a, a healthy, you know, quote or advice that that I received. But now now that I'm in business, I have a family. There's a guy out of Oregon, his name's Dale Partridge. And, and he had a quote, it, it went like this. It said, success at work without success at home 
isn't really success at all. And so it just kind of reminds me of where my priorities need to be. I want to be uber successful in business. You know, I've got that athlete's mentality, that competitor's mentality. But if um, if I'm not having success at home, you know, am, am I really getting after it? The answer is no. So I, I think it has changed with the different season of life that I've been in. Gotcha. Those are well, those are both great pieces yeah. of advice. And, and you bring up a good point because I mean, our priorities change, things change in our life as we go through the seasons of life, so to speak. And so um, sometimes you have to adapt and advice yeah. that you're given may change. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now I'm going to flip it and ask you, what is the best piece of advice that you would give somebody? Yeah. So I think we've all heard this, you know, by third grade, but it's, it's so there's wisdom and simplicity. Um, so I've got two here. Number one, don't quit. Um, don't quit. I, I, I've seen that too much. Um, you, you can pivot to something else, just like I did for football when, when those opportunities ran out. I just had nowhere to go, but I didn't quit. Um, I, I used my skill set for another sport. And so because we learn that so young. And if you've got young children, you, you've told them that before, there's no doubt. But that's something as we become adults and you know, you're in your career, don't quit. I think that's just such a healthy one. Yes, that's a great piece of advice. Absolutely. Don't quit. All right. So my next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't know that I am a competitive Halo player on Xbox. I uh, went to the uh, National Halo Tournament when I was fresh out of college and placed top 16 in the nation. Very uh, competitive on the Halo uh, Xbox platform. <laughs> wow, nice. I did not know that they had a national tournament. They for did. Halo. O- only true gamers <laughs> know that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. My last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? It would be Superman so I can fly. There you go. Awesome. All right. So as we wrap up today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners? You know, I, I think everybody here has a message. Well, one thing I'd like to share, if, if you're interested in you know, becoming a speaker or learning how to share your message, I put together an online course called thetopspeaker.com. And I'd love to see you in there. It's a lot of the things that I've learned over the years as a keynote speaker on, you know, how to how do you get leads? How do you send a speaker proposal? And so we've put together a hundred page digital workbook, five email templates. We've really kind of, you know, ripped off the hood of everything that I do as a speaker and put it on in an online course. So as you listen to this, uh, you know, today's podcast, I hope you enjoyed the content, but I'd also, you know, want to stroke the flame of you've got a story to tell. There's somebody out there that needs to hear your story. You know, there, there's people that haven't seen life through your eyes. And it's a matter of you getting out there and sharing your story. So if that piques your interest, I'd love to see you in my course. And uh, that's at thetopspeaker.com. Perfect. And we'll also include that in the show notes as well. Johnny's a fantastic speaker. If you haven't figured that out by listening to him chat here and everything that he's shared. So uh, there's so much that you can learn from him if you're looking to to be a speaker and uh, get a speaking platform. Yeah. And Jen, what we'll do is we'll, uh, I'll even put in, you can put this in the show notes, but just to the listeners, we're going to put a, a move the ball discount. So you type that in one word, move the ball. Uh, it's not case sensitive and we'll do a hundred dollars off. So if you're hearing this, you want a hundred dollars off, you'll be able to type in move the ball and use that coupon code for the online course. Awesome. Appreciate that as well. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure having you on. You shared so many nuggets of wisdom with us today. Thanks, Jen. Enjoyed it. 
And thanks to everyone for listening. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Until next time, make sure that you tighten that chin strap, you lace up those cleats, and every day that you better make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.